Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about seasonal surprises and surprise <laughs> versus Japan because the holidays just passed like a few weeks ago. Well, like one week ago. I don't know. The holiday seasons are different in Japan and the United States. So I'm not on vacation from my day job anymore. There you go. That's a good way to sum up my confusion about the holiday because we're in three time zones for holidays. Right, right. Australia, the US, and Japan. So for me this year, like major, if y'all follow us on Twitter, you know I love me some raspberries. And this year we had winter berries, which is so exciting, but also horrific because of climate change and all of that. But we had a warm snap this winter. So the entire month of December, we had winter berries, which are bonus berries, and we don't get them every year. But then it snowed in December and snowing again in January, which is a little bit earlier than when it snows. It usually would snow at the end of January, beginning of February. So we had two winter surprises. That I was like really jazzed about this year. Yeah, we've had years where it snows in December and then continues to February. We had one year where it snowed for about 10 minutes in February and that was it. Yeah. So we've had different different winters. This is a particularly snowy one for Nagoya. Yeah, and that's exciting to me that it's been a very snowy Christmas. I feel like that's a wonderful winter surprise. And the snow doesn't last more than a day or two. It's not like we're having continuous snow for weeks and weeks and weeks, but it's y'all know how much I love snow. You listened last week, and I was like, "Yeah, there are no snowmen." I love frostbite. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. I wanted to love me back. Yes, I do. This year doesn't seem like you've partaken in any winter surprises or special winter availability of things. I don't think I have. I think I've pretty much got my regular things yeah i eat a lot of packaged foods and such because food prep takes a long time and i get achy when i do it so yeah and i eat the same thing on repeat Mm -hmm. so i'll go on what we call tears and i'll eat like right now i'm on a pepperoni tear because i have hereditary corporal porphyria and that really strongly dictates what i eat I need protein a certain amount of time, but after a while, if I eat too much protein, it starts to make me sick. So I really have to listen to whatever my food is, my body is craving. And right now, it's craving uh, protein, fat, and salt. Mm-hmm. And so, hello, pepperoni has all of those things. Okay. Pepperoni on cheese toast. What? That's the best <laughs> ever. So I'm basically living off pepperoni and cheese toast and apples, and that's all I eat. But I eat a lot of it because, you know, I have to stay fluffy. Thank you. I like being fluffy. Big and fluffy. It's a decision, <laughs> and I love it. I love. I have a big round pot belly, and I just love it. And you have a pot belly, and I just love it. I think pot bellies are so sexy. Yeah. When we were watching a, a show, and you're like, look at that. It's not as good as yours, though. Yeah, we were watching Forge Masters or something. Forged in Fire, their sub-series, like Knife, Forged in knife fire, or Die. Or... Yeah, Something or Die. Yeah, they're where they compete with these yeah, They're not paying us for, a, and they're not sponsoring, so we don't have to get their name right. No. But if you want to, like, have a paid spot, 
up in the gig. We'll sell your stuff right and promote you well. For just a hundred bucks. Yes. You got to put it out there. You got to put it about if you're available. Because right? people will not know that you're available if you don't put it about and okay. put it out there. So if you're listening, Nike, if you're listening, Adidas, either one of you, hit us up. Yeah. Anyone. I don't care what it is. Mm. I have like no morals when it comes to advertising. I will say it's sponsored. I'll say it's advertised. And then you make your best choices for yourself. <laughs> That's not on me. I'm not endorsing this. I'm just endorsing that check. Right? Hello. <laughs> Holla. But if someone wants an endorsement, they have to let us try whatever it is. Yeah. Because we did have like, so this is a strange digression, but it was such a strange interaction that I have to talk about it. So this mattress company sent me an article on how sleep affects mental health. And could I, could I promote their mattresses on my website for adjustment guidance? Right, yeah. And to my clients. And I said, sure, I'm completely open to putting this as a blog post and promoting it, but you would need to pay me. Right. And they were like, no, but there's mental health benefits and that should be enough for you. And I'm like, not really. I can talk about the mental health benefits of sleep without promoting your mattress. Yes, and their article wasn't 100% correct, and it wasn't peer-reviewed, and because it was talking about their mattress, and so I thought it would be a great blog post, but I'm not going to put them, like, forever on my website. And I don't do banner ads, so there are people that have paid blog posts on my website. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm willing to put an advertisement on anything. Right, but if you're going to do all of that, like... You've got to trust that the thing is real, yeah. And also that you're not going to regret it. Like, you're you're not going to tell tell a lie. No. So if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. I saw a lot of problems with conflicts of interest when I was editing full time, where they'd be like, "Okay, yes, we've gotten a million dollars in funding from this pharmaceutical company, but there's no conflict of interest in reporting how great their results are." Yeah, so we don't have any conflicts of interest because we just get on here and ramble and talk about any old thing. Yes. But we will be honest about whatever. So, I mean, think about that. But 100 bucks, come on. 100 bucks mid-roll? Get out of here. That's oh, awesome. Oh, look at you with the lingo. <laughs> so, mid-roll is after the introduction and at, and before the outro. So, we have our standard intro and then we talk. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're doing that anymore because our editor, our sound editor, I don't know if they're putting the intro on. I think at this point people are just like, we know what you are. Just get to Yeah, so we used to have a standard intro and outro that I don't think we're using anymore because we're so awesome that we check these kinds of things. But yeah, because our patrons have helped us get a sound editor and helped Todd get a new mic. And so we're fancy now. Thank so you. fancy. Thank you for helping us be fancy. There's still other things that we need. Like, we need new chairs. Right. Yeah. We're so fancy that if I eat after this, it's a fancy feast. <laughs> Which brings us back to seasonal stuff because, hello, I feel fancy when I eat raspberries. You do feel fancy when you eat raspberries. So it's really kind of twisted and messed up, though, why I love raspberries. So I kind of have oh, to Oh, you're going to share that? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to share it. And don't judge me. This is our. This is a safe space, if right? If any of you out there are members of the Fae Kingdom, 
or there, clean them. There might be Fae who follow us. Yeah. And they might be upset by this. And so what trigger warning if you're a Fae. So for me, when I was really little, there was a blackberry bush and a raspberry bush and a bunch of kids. And I was the one kid who didn't mind getting scratched up. But I would eat them all myself, like I wouldn't share. <laughs> and one of the older kids was really great at telling me stories, and I loved it. And so she was like, I'll tell you a story. If I'll tell you where raspberries come from if you bring me some. And I said, okay, what about the blackberries? I want to know where blackberries mm-hmm. come from, too. So we have to bring me raspberries and blackberries every day to get more of the story. And basically what the story was is that raspberries grow out of fairies and they're fairy dresses and so they shed them and get a new dress basically like hermit crabs that get different shells yeah and it was very um just male female there weren't any but this is like in the 70s we were not woke um and so the girl fairies did raspberries and boy fairies did blackberries because it was so gendered that the smaller raspberries came from more petite girls and the blackberries came from bigger guys. And so for me, I I was thinking I was eating fairy clothes and we ate so much that when it was done, the owner of the bushes got mad that we ate all the berries. And the girl told me, no, no, don't worry. They'll, they'll re go grow clothes. They're just mad because all the fairies naked and they're against nudity because I was raised nudist. Mm-hmm. So that I wouldn't take it personally or get upset. And I was like, okay, you're having a meltdown because the fairies are nudist. Like, how horrible are you? <laughs> they want us to eat their clothes. We're freeing them. So I was a freedom fighter for fairies. Oh, okay. And their ability, to, in my mind, in my little brain. Yeah. But I was like four or five. So, and where did the grapes fit in? I think it was six. I was six. Um, at that point in time, we weren't eating grapes because that was during... Yeah, the, during the Cesar Chavez-led yeah. strikes, boycotts. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't eat grapes. Okay. I, I, I knew that. I was just verifying that. that uh, was, yeah. No, that we, that was we supported the farm workers and didn't eat grapes. Yeah. So for me, food has always been, I've always been a difficult picky eater. And my whole life, people have told me really fun stories about food to get me to eat it. And if a food has a great story that's happy and upbeat, and serves a social justice cause, I'm more likely to eat it. Mm-hmm. Or if it has some fantastical origins, like broccoli being miniature trees that God made just for me, I was like, okay. Even though we were atheists, that was really meaningful to me. Yeah. That, so I, when I was young, I think I was more agnostic and open to there being I think a God. So. And it's weird how the narrative has changed because now the narrative would be broccolis are genetic engineered abominations. Yeah, they're a GMO, but they were can, they were developed just for me. Right. They were like, we have some cauliflower. We have some Brussels sprouts. Christopher loves both. What if we put them into one plant? Thank you. And that's exactly how my mother explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that makes so sense. That makes so much sense. Because I love Brussels sprouts because you can put them into things and cook them till they dissolve. Yes. And that to me is so yummy. You have like this 
no one can figure out what the flavor is, but they really enjoy it. Even you. Even you I, You don't yeah. like Brussels sprouts. But when I cook them down and they disappear and you don't have to manage them, you're like, this is just a really great flavor. Yeah, my mom was a super picky eater. So if she didn't like it, she wouldn't cook it. And nobody mm-hmm. else could cook anything in our household. So it was always, like, an, until she died, it was always whatever she cooked. So I had Brussels sprouts for the first time when I was, like, 17. And mm. I thought, these are pretty gross. Mm. And then I had them so often that I got used to them. And then you showed me that they could actually taste good. And I was like, huh. I yeah. thought they could just only be tolerable. There are other things, like okra, when I was um, seven or eight, we lived in... Tempe, Arizona for a summer mm-hmm. and had fresh okra. So I was like, okay, I know okra can taste good. I love, Japan has turned me on to okra. I didn't mess with okra in the United States. That's why I'm saying it, because yeah. I knew that you weren't a fan of okra. I don't like southern style okra dishes, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy Japanese okra dishes. I love the way the the Japanese handle and blend okra. Like, the Japanese will take okra and sweet potatoes and make, like, Thin. And it's interesting because I don't usually like a sort of mucusy texture is how I think of it. Yeah. And they'll and, make... And you describe it that way because you don't like it. Yeah. and <clears throat> so they just saying it's viscous. Yeah. And so for one of the winter vegetables special is okra and sweet potatoes made into this sort of like almost a paste with okra rings and sweet diced sweet potatoes in mm-hmm. it. And it is so tasty. It's so good. It's fabulous over rice. It's fabulous in curry. It's fabulous. I don't do it as a side dish, and I don't do it in pasta, but it is fabulous on top of meat. Like, to put it on top of some chicken is so good. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting so hungry. So that was, like, another really... Seasonal surprise. Yeah, a really wonderful winter surprise is I never know from the curry place what the winter vegetable is going to be. Yeah. And I love it. I wait all year round for the winter vegetable. And I'm like hoping, dice kabocha, dice kabocha. Because I can eat, <laughs> finally dice small portions of kabocha, which I love. But if I get kabocha, I eat too much of it. Yeah. Which is, y'all know, um, Japanese pumpkin. It's so tasty. I find Japanese vegetables are more tasty than, tastier and smaller than California vegetables. And I think this is, like, I've been thinking about this with all these things coming in unexpectedly. I think that these are excess produce. Like, if they have a bumper harvest from yeah. something, they'll make an ice cream flavor. Like, there are a lot of years we get, like, a sweet potato ice cream or, like, different vegetable-flavored yeah. ice creams. And I think in the United States, the same thing happens. It's just more subtle. They'll just use, like, the extra sweet potatoes, if that's the, the extra crop. They'll just, like, extract all the starches and render it into chemicals that they use in other things without it being the primary flavor. But here it becomes the primary flavor. They're like, okay, we have a lot more of whatever crop than we are anticipating, so that's going to be the flavor of ice cream and also the flavor of mochi and also the flavor of special (laughs) potato chips and also the flavor of drinks. Yeah, it's your winter flavor. Yeah. So I... I love the, the seasonal flavors. Something I've noticed in, at least in California, because I kind of pay attention to what's, I pay more attention to what's going on in California than any other state, so I can't really speak about other states. But in California, I'm really bummed that like eggnog and peppermint candy canes, not the round peppermint that's available all year through Brock's, 
Again, not a paid sponsored ad. Of Brock Starlight. Where you at? Of Brock Starlight Mints. Yes, and um, I feel like candy canes being available all year round, eggnog being available all the way all year round, and like the orange, the chocolate orange and the chocolate raspberry. Yeah, see, now those have been non-seasonal for a long time because I think the company they were non-seasonal like... before we left. Right, right. And that was a bummer to me because it felt. I don't know, it felt like it was making the holiday more watered down. Yeah. Because, like, pumpkin pie, you can get it all year round. And sweet potato pie, you can get it all year like, there. I can't think of... And hit us up on Twitter if I'm completely wrong, and there are still things you can only get during the holidays. I think there are things that people only make, which is something different. That is something different. Than you can only get. You know what I wish there would be an extra harvest of that apparently never happens in Japan? Is nougat. Like... How are the nougat farms not thriving? <laughs> because, you know, I'm a huge fan of, like, the nougat with the dried fruit in it. Yeah. But apparently nougat farms are not popular here in Japan. Because nougat... What? Have you ever had nougat here? No, I haven't. I haven't... I don't think I've ever seen nougat. No. And if I saw nougat, I would get you some because I know how much you love nougat. Yeah. So there's tons of dried fruit. Yes. I feel like there's all of the components except the nougat. Yes. There's, like, fruit with dried candy. Right. Like, they know how to combine dried candy. In Japan, we know how to, we know how to do it. But it's just, there's no nougat. Yeah, and just, like, you Which know. Which I think is disgusting, by the way. I don't get your love of nougat, but I support it. <laughs> I don't have to get it to support you, because I love you. Thank you. And I'm an awesome, awesome spouse. You are Today I'm an awesome spouse. The other day I was a bad spouse. Like it varies on my mood whether or not I think I'm an awesome spouse. In no relation to how you feel about my spouse ranking. My spouse doesn't like nougat, but lets me eat it. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Hashtag relationship goals. Yep. (laughs) Was there anything seasonal that happened that you enjoyed? Because we discovered a bunch of new restaurants but that was just me going out into the world and not having been out of the house in two 18 years. months. Yeah. yeah, almost two years. I think we're at, we're at 19 months when I went out 22. in December. 22 months. 22 months in December? Yeah. Okay. They're not going out of the house except for doctors and hospital visits um, and the dentist for 22 months. Like all of downtown, the downtown area, not Ekimai, not near Nagoya Station. But in Sakae, which is, I think, a proper downtown. Ekime is, is okay, more so, like industrial to me. Yeah, so they're both central business district, and Sakae is the retail district. Yes. So for me, downtown is the retail district. Right. That's just my Because why do you care culture. about the industrial? Like, there is retail stuff there for the people who work in the office buildings. And... Yeah, and a lot of hotels, too. Right. So there's just tons of, like, all of these great restaurants that opened up that are, like, really cute. And for me, my experience was it was a winter surprise. Yeah. And so these 25 new restaurants are an amazing winter surprise. And now we have, like, for the next three years, restaurants to try. Mm-hmm. Because if I try a restaurant and like it, I'll want it. That's the restaurant I'll want to go to if we're going to that area. And then I'll have a mood shift where I'm like, I'm sick of this restaurant. I want to break up with this restaurant. And there's another one. So there's like a rotisserie restaurant, a camping outdoor restaurant where you can actually go and eat in tents, which I think is super cute. But I don't know how the food is, but I want the super cute experience. The food is intense. 
And like the rotisserie place, I'm not a huge chicken rotisserie chicken fan. Yeah. But you love a good rotisserie chicken. So you think this? Because when anytime we'd go to Sonoma, you would have the rotisserie chicken. And theirs was really good. And it was a meal for two. And I was like, will you split this with me? And you'd say, yes, I'll split that with you. But I'm going to be super picky and eat all your white meat. So you yes. better eat the other parts. Yeah. I'm like, it's not mine. We're splitting it. No, it's your it's it's your chicken until I take the white meat. And then that's my white meat. If you want to eat chicken with me, I only eat chicken breast. Exactly. That's why I can never be on Hot Ones. That and I'm not famous. See, if I went on Hot Ones, again, not famous. I'd do the vegan wings. I'm not vegan, but the vegan wings sound good. Yeah, the vegan ones look delicious. The other ones, like, even Gordon Ramsay was like, these wings are crap. I've never been a fan of wings. I've never been. I've never eaten a wing. Wow. I don't like the concept of it. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the shape. I don't know what kind of meat that is. Okay, see, I think this is an area where... As far as eating wings, I think I'm a technical virgin. Like, I've tried to eat them, but I just didn't quite get in there. Yeah, and there's a wing, there's like a famous, super famous wing shop here in Japan. Japan does wings. Oh, yeah. I've had that. So that's... Okay, so then you've had chicken wings. That's called teriyaki. It's a particular style of preparing them. But it's chicken wings. It's chicken wings. So, yes, I've had chicken wings, because that was all anybody at the university wanted to eat. Like, the... After workshops and things, if we had a guest speaker, we'd take them out to dinner Mm -hmm. and kind of collectively pay for them, and then everybody else pays for themselves. Yeah. And everybody just always wanted to go to this place that the only two things they serve are chicken wings and beer. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's not a lot for me here, but I guess I'll eat some chicken wings. And I think, too, on on First We Feast, again, not sponsored. Yes, I'm hawking for sponsors. (laughs) Yes, I'd love for the podcast to break even. I'd love for it to make some money. I'm not shy. I'm not ashamed. Close mouth, don't get fed. I'm hungry. Okay. You think I need this mic for anything else? I don't. I just have a gamer headset that I use for all my meetings at work. <laughs> but they use a mix of chicken wings and drumsticks. Yeah. I've seen a couple of drumsticks. I'm like, mm, that's a drumstick. Mm-hmm. That's not a chicken wing, but whatever. I digress. So seasonal stuff in Japan beyond clothing... I mean, beyond food, I don't know why I'm, I don't do clothes, so um, I, <laughs> I do wear clothes when I go out. I don't do clothes at home. I do jammies, which are kind of clothes, I guess. And you don't do seasonal clothing. You're not like, ooh, this season's clothes. I have to get some. Yeah, no. And if you followed us on Twitter, you know in December I was wrecking everyone over clothes. Because like 20 years ago, you were doing bags. You're like, I want to get some of the season's bags. Not all of them, just a couple. But you still have those, so. Yes. And I don't have a large bag collection. No, you don't. You've got like six. I have more than that. I have about 20 or 30 bags. Okay. But that's not considered a large bag collection. No. And I do still carry them. So I find them fashionable. fashionable. I do have a favorite, but I do carry, carry the other bags and backpacks and such. So the seasonal thing that I didn't partake of this year in December was the eliminations. Mm, and I feel yeah. like that's something that still is parallel to the U.S. where everything's illuminated and lit up and all of that. I find that interesting because most of the illuminations are free, but there are, like, dedicated, you have to pay to get in, illuminations parks. 
that'll be open. Like for the like... Wisteria Illuminations. Yeah. Is, I've seen pictures of it. I've never been. It's just so, looks so stunning to me that it has an overhang of Wisteria and the Wisteria hangs down and it's all lit up and it just looks absolutely stunning. But I've never gone there. Yeah, but Ross has gone on a few dates to the various illumination places. Yeah. And so those are paid. And I find it interesting that in the U.S., like, you get your Christmas lights for free because everybody's putting them up. And you could go see an IMAX show or, like, something for the lights. Well, I think we were super spoiled in San Jose because San Jose, like, Nagoya had the super long park that just ran the length of the downtown area. And they would turn it into a winter village every year. Yeah, I remember going and getting yeah, photos and so of Santa and that kind of thing. Yeah, and at one end was the North Pole with Santa. Yeah, and... which having been to Santa's workshop in, in North Pole, it was not an accurate recreation. <laughs> Being Santa. Sorry, I had to out you as Santa. See, now we're going to have to scrub this this video. And everybody who everybody who ever mentions that I'm Santa, you're on the naughty list. <laughs> the, I, I do miss the open air free winter parks because in Japan they don't do any sort of open air park in right. Central Park in Sakae. And it's very sectional, although now a cool winter surprise, I don't think would have been, I don't think it's technically a winter surprise, is that now they have it divided by sections and they have a bus that just drives around in a loop around Central Park. Oh, in, nice. Yeah, in Sakae. And so you can just get off at your number and just get back on. I don't know how much it costs because I just walked it. Yeah. And but it might even be I didn't free. walk the whole thing of it. It might even be free. It might be like the Vegas walkway where... Yeah, I don't know. It was there was several maps they like completely did from the only part that I saw was from like Oasis Twenty One to the Teleby Tower. Yeah, and I saw like the end. So the Teleby Tower is in the center of what I consider one of the blocks, but they used the Teleby Tower, the TV Tower, the Nagoya TV Tower to divide it into. Yeah, which I thought was really was really interesting. A lot of places here, if you rent or buy, then you have to pay a neighborhood fee. Yeah. Which is kind of like a homeowners association, except it's not uh, like there aren't any messed up covenants or anything like the U.S. has. Yeah, I think in a couple of weeks we'll be doing a whole podcast on moving in Japan. Yeah. So I don't want to step on that podcast. Okay, but my point is, I think uh, when you rent an office in a lot of those spaces, that fee is included and it pays for things like that bus or in Osmol, it paid for the statues like the the association commissions these services that increase the value to the businesses around them. So I'm saying I think that bus is probably free if it's just a circle to park bus. Yeah, you have no interest in the bus, so you have no information. You've never seen it. You didn't look at it. So the people are hearing, like, how good I am at guessing things from nothing. <laughs> yes, hearing and predicting. You are our psychic friend. I am not psychic. I'm analytical. Okay, yeah, you are our analytical friend. I'm analyzing what the position of the stars will affect. So how did you feel this winter break? Because you had like three weeks off. Yeah. Were there any winter surprises for you besides the December snow? I don't think so. So I had more time off this year than 
last year, but I've been at my company for three winter breaks now. Yeah. And so it's not a surprise to have one. And then before that, I had taken a year off. And so I'd had like an entire year of, of no obligations. I'd mm-hmm. still done some editing work on the side and various things. But this year was really busy at work. So I felt like the first week it was just recovery. Like, okay, drove myself super hard. And then the second week I did some Cinnabar Moth stuff. Uh, I played, you know, some video games. I did some editing. I did some podcast stuff. And then the third week was just like bonus time because mm-hmm. the company decided to come back a week later than usual. Mm-hmm. So I guess I felt like some of it was bonus time. For me, there were some negative Christmas surprises or winter mm-hmm. break surprises. And that was that uh, everything crashed for my school's website. Oh, yeah. While uh, yes. I was <laughs> in the midst of doing my analysis. So my analysis were not done on the school's platform, but I couldn't report anything. Right. And that was really frustrating for my chair, my PhD chair. Yeah, you have an academic license for SPSS through your university. Yeah. And I think you you mentioned this because when I did my master's, because we're doing PhD, not master's, master's already done. When I did my master's, all the and all the stats software was only available by using the university servers. I had like yeah. log into a virtual desktop. And so if they, that crashed, I couldn't work on it at all. Whereas you you worked on your analyses, but you couldn't upload them to get the feedback from your methodologist. And no, you're wrong. You don't know. You're, you're like saying a completely wrong thing. Okay. But I'm. thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting to me because you're sitting right next to me and helping me with all of these things. But it, but it seemed to have no memory of the event. And that's, that's often true when I work. Like the other day I was editing and you asked me, how was it? And I'm like, I don't know. It yeah. wasn't that I didn't have an opinion. It's that I have no recollection of that. Yeah. So when, and we're going to talk about why you don't read the Cinnabar Moth books and the Take Two. Yeah. So, so here's the thing with Chad. I really don't like telling you what we're going to record in the future. Or even the take two, because then you're like excited and you want to talk about it during the main episode. I won't talk about it now. Please don't. It's the take two. Okay. Help me out here. Yes. I'm the creative person behind this. I have to think of all of these topics. It's challenging. Okay. It's hard. You're the engine. I am. I'll stop trying to be the nozzle. No, I was like, Satan is my motor. So does that make me Satan? It's a cake song. Yeah. It, it, and it's one of your favorite songs. Yeah, they have the one lyric that they got totally wrong. But other than that. Share the lyrics with the folks. Well, they have one about internal combustion power. And if Satan is your motor, it should be infernal combustion power. It's just like one cause and a different. But it would have been a much more popular song. That's the reason nobody likes it. <laughs> I think it was a popular song. It was a very I just don't think it was song. one of their chart poppers. No. I don't think it was one of their singles. Right. But in terms of being part of the of that that album, I don't even remember which album it is. Again, Cake's not sponsoring us, so I, th- I think that's Motorcade of Generosity, but I'm not sure. I think so too. And for those that may not know, Cake is the name of the band. Yeah. And it, they're one of our favorite bands. So it was absolutely. one of the bands that we're both 
Like, you like cake? Nobody likes cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was before cake was really popular. Yeah, only Fashion Nugget was out. Yeah. Their first album. And so, like, I think it was, we were ahead of the curve on the second album. Yes. And we're like, wait, you like the al- You like the entire album? You're not just listening to this one song over and over again? Yeah, I'm not just listening to the single. Like yeah, we're the- not just listening to the distance okay. over and over again. So... Yeah, that was that was really fun. Um, so some of the negatives. So talking about my PhD, the negative surprise of my PhD is they use a system called Blackboard, and that's the classroom. And anytime I achieve a milestone or meet a goal or target, I have to upload documentation of that to something called Groups. And my chair gets really frustrated if I email them something that hasn't already been uploaded to groups. And then they send me emails back, don't forget to upload this to groups. Even if I include when Blackboard is up and running again, I will upload this to groups, yeah. which is a pet peeve of mine. So it's idiosyncratic of me that I hate the reminder and idiosyncratic of them that they hate that I didn't do it and that they need it done. They need it done. They need it done. And I think because so many people don't document their process, but I'm on top of my documentation. Yes, you are. And I don't like being treated like I'm not. And so it's personally offensive to me when it shouldn't be. This is just the way that they communicate. So I found it really frustrating because they're like, have you contacted tech support, this, that, and the other? And I'm like, "Um, tech support's on vacation. Yes. There's no tech, tech support su- is like, you shouldn't be doing this right now. We don't care that it's broken. Right. It's going to be broken until the break's over. But, and, and this is Blackboard tech support. It's not even your university's because your university pays Blackboard to host these things. Yes. And then on top of that, there were two days that both my chair and co-chair did not have access to their email. Right. And I, have, I had a stats question that stopped my research in its tracks on December 24th. And yeah. I was just so upset as someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas. Right. It pisses me off to no end that people can't do things on the 22nd through the 4th. That makes no sense. And I get that people need downtime and need time off. It just really bothers me that this is the particular time because I never take it off. Yeah, I, I'm really selfish that way. I think, I'm, I'm just being selfish. I think that's kind of like sad. For I think me. everybody deserves a week off at the end of the year. I think so too, or at some point. And I think that's one of the things that was. And I gave everybody at Cinnabar Moth two weeks off. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not hypocritical because I don't benefit from this, but it's ironic that as a boss, I'm doing the thing that irritates everyone else and subjecting our authors to that because authors have contacted <laughs> me and said, Hey, this, that, or the other. And I'm like, mm, the team's on break. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting anything. So after the first anyways, and I'm like, mm, but you were okay, but I'm still doing stuff. Like I'm still working on, I still did stuff rather. I worked on the taxes and I worked like, and I'm still working on the taxes like doing all of our end of year accounting. I worked the entire time. I took maybe one or two days off, my normal. Yeah. Like every three months, I'll take a day off. Yeah. So I wish that the world functioned in sync with me. Yeah, that they were working when you needed them to be working, and otherwise, you don't care. 
Yeah. I, I think this is one of the strongest argulate, arguments against simulation theory. Like the idea that this is just a simulation is that the world is not convenient to you. And who would program a simulation in which the world was not convenient to you? Maybe the programmer. Maybe I mean, they're making it convenient to them. Mm. But if they're not in the sim, why would they care? Right. Are, in the simulation theory, are the programmers in the simulation? No, they're not. Okay, that makes no sense to me then. Yeah, it's a whole thing, and, and most of the proponents of it don't have a point. So, like, I, I know what simulation theory is about because somebody I work with is very into it, and I am not. <laughs> so, in talking about your work, I think that how everyone left you alone during the break was a nice winter surprise for you. Yeah, I, I logged into my email because I needed to get to my other email, and for ease of use, um, so all of my emails are through Google. Again, not a paid ad, um, which has drawbacks, but benefits. So I logged into my Gmail, and I was like, here's your work email. And I'd only gotten one email, and it was an automated one from a service. Like, literally nobody emailed me over vacation. And I appreciated that, because I was like, okay, here, if you want something right away, send me a message on Slack. If I'm around, I'll get it. I haven't been on Slack the entire vacation. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if you need something but it's not urgent, email me. And nobody emailed me. Mm-hmm. And if you need something super urgently, call my phone. Nobody called my phone. So I appreciate that. Because I've worked other places where they're like, chef for business, nobody's supposed to be working. Yeah. And somebody is secretly working and calls me up with an emergency because they broke something. Like, yeah, this is why I asked you not to work. So how much chat I got was a nice winter surprise for me because we are able to go on several dates. Yes. And 22 months of no dates is a lot. Yes. So we did, we did date some, but it wasn't the same as being able to go out together mm-hmm. and enjoy things together and be together. And that was really nice, being out in the world with you. Yeah, and we're still very cautious going out, even though Japan is right now very low yeah so we're we still some... sanitized wear face masks yeah even though we're vaxxed yes it's not at all things have returned to normal it's like okay but we're both you know disabled chronically ill so normal is staying in for long periods of time but yeah, yeah. it was very nice to go out so for me being able to go out was a really awesome winter surprise for me because i didn't think that we would be able to go out this December, and I didn't feel safe enough to go to a hotel like we normally do in December. We normally plan that back, like, in September or so. Yeah. And then that was when there was the post-Olympics bump. So when we looked at planning that, things were looking bad. Yeah. And scary. Yeah. And so, like, I feel really comfortable and confident going out in safe ways. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's wearing a mask, sanitizing my hand. I don't just wash my hands. I sanitize and wash. And it felt really good to see everybody else masked up. Yes. And so in Japan, there's not... Closely in Japan, we wear masks anyways. Yeah, it's it's common to wear masks during the winter. And it's, yeah. and it's considered impolite to not, to, to not wear a mask if you are sick. 
Yes. So there's a culture of mask wearing already yeah. here in Japan. So I think telling people to wear a mask, it's not a big deal. Right. And I was surprised because, okay, in the summer, getting people to wear masks, it's hard because it's so hot. So in August, people weren't doing as well. So right. I was unsure how it was going to be in December. And I was really pleasantly surprised because I was out a lot in December for me and out to random places and everybody was masked up. I didn't see anybody without a mask. And that was quite reassuring. I did see people in places of business like take their masks off. And of course at restaurants, people would take their masks off. But people weren't sitting close together. There was like distancing, all the tables were yeah. set distance and stuff. So it was nice to me that we could go out and be safe and not be crowded or worried. You know, I remember in the early 80s, 1980s, for those of you who weren't alive in the 80s, the backlash against seatbelt laws. Yeah, I remember it too. And it feels very much like that. People were like, the seatbelt is crushing my organs. Did you know that seatbelts are associated with greater rates of organ failure and infertility? And like just all of these things. And now it's, did you know that masks are associated with hypoxia? And like, no, they're not. Surgeons wear them all the time. Yeah. And I feel that's what's going on in the U.S. And I, I was really surprised that in the U.S., everything was 100%, even with everything that's going on in the U.S., the negative one or surprise for me was how everyone carried on as if the pandemic was over. And in December, the U.S. had the highest infection rate of any country in the world. Yeah. The world. Like, the U.S. is doing horrible well, with well, it this. Was, it was so high that on Christmas, on the 24th, there were, like, 200 flights canceled because the airlines were like, it's not safe enough to fly. Yeah. So that was a trip to me, watching, like, the chaos in the U.S. and then talking to people in the U.S. that it didn't feel chaotic. Mm -hmm. It felt like the normal holiday crunch and strangeness and oddities and for me again being on the outside looking in it felt very hectic and chaotic and i think that's a winter surprise that i really like about japan is that everything slows way down and i feel like in the u.s everything speeds up and goes really fast and i've never enjoyed that about december that mix of we can't do anything except revel. Right. Like, we will revel in the holiday season, and it just felt so high pressure to be a reveler and to be in contact with family. And, like, there was, just felt like there was a lot of expectations, whereas in Japan, because I'm counterculture, mm. I don't have... There's no expectations of me. And yeah. I don't have any family except for you and Rasta, so there's no familial pressure. You know, in the U.S., when I had a, a blue-collar job, I didn't feel like there was any extra pressure around the holiday to do extra. I felt like there was. But then when I got a white-collar job, I felt like, okay, this Christmas break, this... And then they'd be like, it's a holiday break. We're not saying Christmas because we don't want to get sued. And it's like, nobody is suing you for saying that. Stop it. Yeah. But it felt like they'd say, okay, you're, we're going to have a a one-week break, so you should do an extra week of work before and an extra week of work after. Like yes. Just pack it into a regular week. Yes. And something that's been nice for me is that I haven't felt that pressure in either Japanese companies or the Australian company I'm working for now. 
No, I think it's different when you own your own company. That's what I'm saying. I think it depends on industry and situation yeah. and all of that. I don't think it's a universal, even by country. I agree. So if you had to highlight your biggest winter surprise, what would it be? How relaxing my vacation was. I feel like last year and the year before, even though I had a vacation, it was not as relaxing. Mine is so, it, it feels so trivial now. Okay. Because mine is berries, winter berries. That's a big thing. Yeah, raspberries in December, and they're grown in Nagoya. So they're locally sourced, locally grown from the farmers here, the strawberries and raspberries that I eat. And so, and they say it on the package. We make sure to get yeah. the Nagoya strawberries. And they're so yummy. They're just so good. And I love them. I just love them. And so it's a highlight. And then, of course, seeing you relax was really beautiful, too. Oh, thanks for throwing that in. <laughs> berries and then seeing my beautiful husband relax. Because I have my priorities together. I was very relaxed. Yeah, you're very relaxed. On that note, if you want to keep chilling with us, you can follow us on Over to the Take Two. And we want to thank everyone who, like, is keeping us in the top ten on Player FM. We're just solidly every week in the top ten. And I'm so excited because every now and then we bump up to the top five. And I'm really striving. I'm hoping in 2022 we can manage to be top five of all podcasts about Japan. That would be super exciting. That would be. That'd be super, super exciting, super, super thrilling. And I'd be like, yeah, yes. But we can only do that with your help, and we're only maintaining what we have now and climbing the charts and everything because of all of our beautiful music notes. Thank you so much for listening every week. And if you're part of the Patreon, you can follow us on over to Patreon, on which we're talking about, I don't even think we're talking about why Chad doesn't read the books. We're talking about No, some. we're talking about frustration with authors not promoting their books. Okay, yeah. And undermine No, that's not it either. Okay. Oh no, that that is it. Oh well, my hey, gosh. We'll, Follow us on over to the take two to find out. We'll sort it out before we start then. <laughs> Have a good week. Thank you. See so talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.